Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today I am joined by not one, but two wonderful people, a husband and wife duo that also happen to be very good friends of mine. So together they are on a mission to help us all live healthier, happier and stronger lives. Their shared passion for physical fitness underpins everything that they do and it's what led them to starting their business together. In 2019, they opened the Strength House, a personal training gym in the heart of London. And today I'm going to be talking to them about the benefits of strength training, the myths surrounding strength, the importance of strength for runners and why increasing your strength could save you a lot of time, money and pain by preventing injury. Welcome to the podcast, Tara Gadry and Greg Confey. Hello. <laughs> Hello, thank you very much. Excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you both here. I feel like, to be honest, I usually come to you. So I come to the Strength House, I come into your world. But today, you're both in my world. You're in Soho, in the studio. It's exciting. It is, yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm loving this room. I'm loving like the acoustics in this room. It is <laughs> perfect for me. Impressed with the mics. Absolutely. Well, Tara, we've known each other for how long? I was trying to figure this out yesterday. I think eight years? Yeah, it must be. Eight it must years. be, yeah. yeah. We, I think we were introduced initially by our mutual friend, Natasha. Shout out to Natasha. And as a result, Greg, you've somehow now ended up being stuck with me as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that process goes. Well, I think that's probably where I'm going to start off because I should say I have been training with Greg, been training with him one-to-one at the Strength House for, for a while now, and I have learned so much. Greg, you are like a fitness scientist. I feel like your approach to the human body is like a complex math solution, and you're always just trying to yeah like answer these questions, and I really appreciate and geek out on all the knowledge. So I love the sessions for that. And also, this is a bit embarrassing to admit, but here we go. I always feel so good about myself when I leave our sessions, and I will tell you why. Not because of the physical benefits, but because you praise me. You praise me, Greg, for my effort. And you know, as an adult in life, you don't ever get a gold star or you don't get a a well done or a sticker. When I do my sessions with you, I feel like you give me so much praise for my hard work that I come out and I always, I've, I've given myself the title of Greg's top student, top of the class. Amazing, yeah. Well, it's something that I've always been quite passionate about is seeing people move incredibly well, you know. So if I see that, then I think that's a really good idea to kind of, yeah, say well done or you're doing it right, you know. Yeah, which is such a small thing, but I I honestly, I don't think many people get that in their day. So I'm just here for the ego. The ego feels great. So thank you for that. But enough about me. Let's get into it all. Greg, In one of our first sessions, you said something to me that was very interesting, got me thinking about our approach to fitness and to exercise. And it was something along the lines of exercise for fitness is not the same as training for sport. So can you explain to us what we were talking about and what you meant by that? Yes, absolutely. So the way that we like to look at things is two different ends of the of the spectrum so we have sport and activities on one side and then the other side which is the other end of the spectrum we have exercise so exercise should be or we certainly want it to make us healthy and be able to let us do all the things that we love to do which is the activities and all the sport without causing injury essentially so yeah i guess kind of think about it in two different ways um which makes it easier when we're looking at exercise and the things that we do and they those things are going to make us stronger for for doing the activities and the sports yeah because i think often if we're just focused on the sport the out the outcome for example i don't know maybe how how accurate our racket swing might be or how strong or how heavy we can lift if we're competing or how fast we can run then of course that is the outcome but it's very different isn't it to doing exercises like for example that you want to do week in week out maybe for months to actually just take care of your body and so that your body feels 
good and strong as a result, as opposed to feeling annihilated, smashed, exhausted. And sometimes I think at this time of year, a lot of people are trying new things. And often that is the feeling, isn't it? It's like, just go in, work hard, come out and be like, well done, you're limping out the door. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, when we do all the activities and we do all the sports that we love, you know, we might be left feeling like, wow, I'm like really battered, but you know what? I absolutely love doing that and I don't want to stop doing that. So how can we feel less tired and battered, beaten up from doing the things that we love by making the body stronger with very specific exercise that is designed for our body, that's designed for the mechanics of our body, how it works, how it moves. And the more specific we can be with that, then the stronger we're going to get for those activities that we love doing. Mm. And Tara, because between you, obviously, you have so much experience and knowledge. And, you know, injury prevention is, I know, something that you really focus on, something that you're both brilliant at and something people now come to you for. So why is it that if people have tried other things, maybe they've tried physiotherapy, osteopaths, maybe they've just accepted, actually, I always have this pain in my hip or I always have this pain in my back. That's just my body and they just kind of power through why is it actually such a game changer for so many people when it comes to injuries when they come and train with you i think it's because well this kind of touches on a bit of our journey and why we started strength house um i went through a injury where i had gone down the traditional routes of trying to find a resolve for it so gone to the doctors seen physios tried treatments um acupuncture for my knee yeah um, shockwave, all these different things. Um, and not only was I kind of misdiagnosed, I was given exercises which actually hindered it more than helped it. And this is just my personal experience. This isn't talking about um, everyone in general. So then it came for me, where do I go from here? And I was already a personal trainer, trying to exercise the best way I knew and with good form and technique and everything like that. And we thought, okay, there's something missing here because the exercise that's make, meant to be making me feel better, it's not. And that led us down the route of exercise mechanics. And we found that there's this kind of missing spot between personal training and physiotherapy in a way. So we're kind of in the middle of two industries at the mm. moment. And, you know, in terms of exercise mechanics, it's a really big topic. And I feel like it should be something that both physios and personal trainers learn across the board but currently the industry's just not there yet mm, yeah you know it's really interesting but you said that because i was speaking to oliver patrick uh last month and he's a wonderful guy i really enjoyed the episode with him he works in the health well-being uh, you know he's been in the industry for years as well and he kind of describes this you know it's very fragmented isn't it so you might have in the one hand if you think about the medical profession it's you know, all these different sections. You go to the hospital or the doctor and you might have one person that's looking at your skin and one person that might be looking at your blood test and one person that might be looking at your uh, x-ray. And, and like you said, they're all separate. So you go to one side of the hospital and then you might go to another side and they don't really work that well together. And then he highlighted to me that actually the fitness or the well-being industry is exactly the same. You might go to one person who says, okay, let's work on your running form. And then you might see someone else for your sleep because your sleep's not great. Or you might speak to a nutritionist who's going to help you with nutrition for you're running and all these things again are separate so I'm wondering actually yeah how we can kind of I guess bring these things together and what those intersections are but I also think with the work that you both do which I've been just fascinated as I say I'm always learning from both of you is that actually I think some people have accepted okay for example I've got this hip thing I can't run Adrian I'd love to be a runner I'd love to I can't run you know this many years ago this happened and I've never been able to run without pain I can't run anymore or someone might say something else you know, upper body shoulders whatever it is so do you think that given what you said about you know the the kind of in between of fitness and personal training strength and and physiotherapy is there hope for maybe a lot of people out there who have different injuries that stop them actually doing a sport and they've kind of written it off and thought I'll never be able to do that again yeah definitely it will come down to each individual person and their history with their injury um, of course, but you know, if they've gone down the route of seeing doctors, consultants, physios, and something isn't working for them, there is another way of looking at it as well with what we do. And this is why we've got consultants and surgeons and physios that refer some clients to us because they know that we're able to take clients beyond that step. And ultimately, it comes down to client care and what's going to get them stronger and back to doing the things that they love. Mm. So there is hope, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it is a different approach, isn't it? So maybe you could tell us, before I dive into my strength, I think myth busting maybe, which I think because I knew I was going to do this episode with you. And even the fact that the gym is called the strength house and even when I use the word strength, I know that there are things that come into people's minds, which might not necessarily be right. So we're going to dive into all of that. But I guess before we do, maybe it would be really helpful to have a bit of an outline of what that approach of, of body mechanics that you talked about, what that is. Who wants to take this one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can I can absolutely take this one. Um, okay, so what is exercise mechanics? Essentially, it's like a branch off biomechanics. And then if we have a look at what that is, it's how forces impact our bodies. So every day when we get up off the floor, get up off the seat, walking along, we have all of these forces impacting the body all the time. And it's the same when we exercise. So what exercise mechanics is, is that understanding of what's happening in that very specific exercise that we're doing, say we're doing a lunge or we're doing a push-up, whatever it is, it's understanding at each joint what force is going through that joint, what muscles are involved, and also having that understanding on the joints that are moving, which ones kind of should we be keeping still and which ones should be moving you know how how does the exercise look because we can have 10 people lined up and they're all doing push-ups and they're all going to be doing them slightly different because everyone's got different limb lengths and different spine shapes and all this kind of thing so essentially it's that yeah that that understanding to make something completely bespoke to someone when you're when you're training them mm. um and because some of those things, sorry, some of those things that you mentioned, like getting off the couch or maybe carrying a heavy bag or, you know, the mechanics of how we do our things in our everyday life. We might not even think of those things as being related to the hour that we spend or the 30 minutes that we spend working out. Yes, yes, exactly. So what we can do in the gym is essentially raise that person's tolerance for everyday life. You know, if that involves running with their kids, you know, on a Saturday and Sunday around the park, uh, if it means, you know, picking your toddler up off the floor without having back problems or hip problems, we look at all those very specific things that are incredibly important to that person. So, you know, the goal can be whatever it is, whether it be running a marathon, you know, competing in tennis or, yeah, literally trying to pick your kid up off the floor. So depending on what that goal is, we... Yeah, we look to get those specific muscles stronger so they get to do those things without hopefully feeling that that pain or that fear of of doing it yeah and pain that word or discomfort is interesting isn't it how so many people just live with pain all the time you know yeah. i put myself in that bracket when i first spoke to you tara last year about my shoulder and i said oh yeah you know it hurts when i do this and it hurts when i do that and you were like well you're just going to leave that. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're, if my child was telling me every day, my shoulder hurts my, or my knee hurt or something, I'd be wanting to look at it. But I was just like, oh, you know, we all have aches and pains. And I just accepted. It's been so long. To be honest, it had been years. I just accepted it. I was like, well, it just hurts sometimes. But I think so many people actually probably live like that. And there's certain things they know will fire, you know, when people say, oh, this aggravates my back or this flares it up. And they kind of just live with pain. And I think it's really, really fascinating to, now that I've worked with you, to realize how good you feel when you are pain-free. Not just when you're exercising, but just in general. You don't realize how much more energy you have or how debilitating it can be if you're sitting at a desk, for example, with back pain every single day. I'm sure many listeners are probably thinking, yeah, actually I do that. And living pain-free is a game changer. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Um, there's something that you said the other day, actually, that uh, yeah, I really resonated with. And it was to do with all the things that you do in life, let's say activity, sport, for example, they kind of make you who you are. So if you take them away and then, you know, because of pain or you can't do them anymore, then you feel like you've almost lost a part of you and you can't really be yourself. Your confidence is down. You know, you've got these aches and pains. You can't do the things that you love. Um, you know, it, it has an effect on your mental health. It's just this this whole thing, you know. So if we can manage to to fix that, you know, and take that away and make someone feel better, um, then, yeah, then you can really have a, like a profound impact on that individual. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's dive into some of these misconceptions, as I said, because even just the title of the episode, you know, strength training, people will have an idea in their mind. They might be picturing a really 
you know, uh, heavy barbell or something like that. So I'm going to read out four statements, some questions, some statements, and then I want to go through each of them with you and you can tell us fact, fiction, truth, myth. Let's get into it. So these are the four statements that I've heard many times when it comes to strength training. First up is strength training boosts your metabolism. Sounds great. Is it true? If so, why? Number two is strength training will make you increase your body mass and look buff. We've all heard that. Number three, strength training causes inflammation. And so women should be careful about when they strength train and should only strength train at certain times in their cycle. And lastly, strength training for both men and women increases testosterone. So let's get into it. Number one, Tara, I'm going to come to you. Strength training boosts your metabolism. True, false, fact, fiction. Okay, so that's a really nuanced topic because... Um, similar to yourself, you know, and I'm sure other people have read about it, like eat this spice to boost your metabolism or eat a certain food or do a certain thing. And really what it comes down to is it's so individual to what each person is doing. So say usually metabolism is linked with someone with fat loss goals. That's why they might be looking into these articles or seeing what it can do to help them. And when it comes to a fat loss goal, the main thing that you should be concentrating on is strength training to increase your muscle mass. That's going to help you maintain your results longer term and your joint health and everything that's good for you. And also your nutrition will have a big part in it because for fat loss, you've got to create a calorie deficit. Um, without a calorie deficit, you're going to find it hard to lose weight or achieve your fat loss goal. Now, depending on the what, what that person is doing, your needs are going to change all the time through that process so especially if you're slowly cutting down calories throughout the process your overall you know very generally like generically speaking sometimes your movement might start to become less mm. so because your energy is going to be less at that time and so your calorie needs will adapt to that it will adapt to what your body needs during that time for someone that's highly active, strength training all the time, um, on top of day-to-day -day acti activity levels, they're high, their needs are going to be different from someone who's maybe only training a few times a week. Hmm. So I think the main thing to look at is how consistently you're strength training, build it into your life longer term, if you can, to improve your muscle mass, hmm. and then also have a look at your energy needs day-to-day -day and what you need to feel good and also fuel your training at the same time. Yikes, you see, it's always so complex. You just want to hear yes or no, because then people can be like, okay, cool, boost your metabolism, good, tick, because that's what a lot of these things are, aren't they? You know, we see kind of sensationalised headlines within fitness and wellbeing, especially, let's be honest, in January, everything you pick up is saying, this boosts your metabolism, this makes you, I don't know, sleep better. It's all about, you know, a, a binary approach. So yeah. thank you for, for explaining it so well. So I think that's the thing that we discuss all the time at work with exercise and nutrition is, it, there's no like tick box solution it's not protocol you know it's always going to come down to the individual and what their goals are at the same time yeah okay number two greg over to you so this one strength training will make your make you increase body mass and make you look buff now i should probably say again i am not advocating for or against or anything i'm simply reading these statements because i already know that people are going to say oh my gosh you know what's wrong with looking buff what's wrong with looking strong i love to encourage that i'm just saying because i know it's gonna someone out there is gonna come for me i'm just reading out the statements so yeah is it gonna make us buff if that is our desired effect or not yeah so i think that's what it kind of comes down to it's is the goal of the individual you know if we're gonna try and look buff so what what does that mean for a start like you, you greg know? Like <laughs> Greg's so, buff. So if we're looking to, you know, if we want to look a certain way, then we need to place stimulus on our body to to help that process along the way. Um, what about women? I'm going to focus on women here who say, oh, I don't want to do strength training because I don't want to look buff. And so their fear is that we might list all these benefits and say strength training is good for joint health. Strength training is good for your posture. Strength training is the best. But they've been told for so long through whether it's media or, you know, incorrect information that as soon as they step into a weight set area, they're going to just be like, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
that would be amazing <laughs> if that actually happened. Yeah. So I think to, you know to build muscle and it, it is a huge misconception. It takes years and years to build to build muscle mass. Um, so I think you know if if you are someone that is looking to go to the gym and start strength training and you have that fear that's not something that is going to happen super quickly or even ever because it is to down it's also to do with your calorie intake something that Tara touched on um as well so i think it's if we're looking to yeah feel better feel strong then strength training is going to be something really good to start mm. um and, and genetics, right? Because genetically, let's be honest, I mean, I have not done a lot of strength training before working with you. And I mentioned this this to you off mic, actually. I received an Instagram very, very long uh, DM. It was a few years ago, but still remember it, from a guy who very kindly decided to write me this long message telling me why I should stop exercising and how I exercise too much because I look like a man. That was his words. Yikes. Ouch. Thank you so much. And so on the one hand, you know, like I said, people have their own um, body goals. People can choose to look however they want to look. And as I said, I celebrate and champion. Let's all look and feel however we want to look and feel. But it's no wonder that, you know, when you've got people out there who say these kind of things uh, that, you know, people maybe don't feel as, as, as comfortable or as confident. But bringing it back to my word there, genetics, I'm someone who I think genetically... I look like I lift weights when I don't. What's going on there? So, I, yeah, I think you've just said it already. It's, you know, we're, we, we are what we are when we look at genetics. You know, when we're born, we have a certain genetic makeup. And, you know, you can have one person that looks like they train all the time, which, you know, you do do a lot of training. Um, yeah. And then you can have, you know, someone else that, you know, sport might not come kind of naturally for them it's always a little bit harder because they don't have that you know that genetic makeup mm. and that's absolutely fine and that is actually the majority of the population you know so i think if you if you're thinking you're one of those people it's about understanding how you can start how you can start slowly and something that works for you um and see how you progress with that and um yeah i think it's something that you're definitely going to love yeah, and it's sorry. also, I think, want to say to people that are looking to build muscle mass or are training and it's taking a little while for them to get to where they want to be, is not to get discouraged because everyone's start point's different. There might have been people that, you know, Greg's been going to the gym since he was young, right? He's been training since... Since birth, I think. Yeah, since <laughs> He since looks birth. like that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's been training since his teens, throughout his 20s, now 30s. And there's some people that have never trained before and starting maybe in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever that might be. So just never compare your journey to someone else's. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a great message. Okay, and number three, strength training causes inflammation. And so women should only strength train at certain phases in their cycle. Tara? So, yes, it will, to a point, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure you've had potential doctors on the podcast that may have talked and touched on um, phases of the cycle as well, where you should train, where you shouldn't train, where you can rest. And having said that, um, I'm going to not be completely black and white with it, is there are going to be some women that prefer to rest at certain points in their cycle and they feel that they need to. But then there's some women that feel absolutely great getting some movement and exercising and walking at different parts in their cycle as well where mm. some might feel tired so mm. i think the most important thing is to go with what you feel you know how your energy is day to day mm. and i think adapt your training to that and don't be worried to adapt your training mm. to certain weeks either because if you need to scale back a little do it adapt the weights in your training adapt the volume that you're doing change the exercise switch the weights for a walk maybe if you need to but however, if you've got the energy, then yeah, yeah, it's you know, go with that feeling as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the most important thing in my experience, and I always want to say this to people, is actually knowledge, just knowing your own cycle. You know, there's a lot of women who I think still don't track their cycle. They just kind of go with it and they don't realise potentially how important it is. So there might be a week where they feel like, oh gosh, why is this workout so tough? Why is this run so tough? Oh, I'm feeling demotivated or I'm not progressing, I'm plateauing. When actually I think if they were tracking their cycle, they'd realise, oh, okay, that explains it. It's this 
specific week it's not just a feeling of oh you know we kind of I think sometimes just roll our eyes and say oh you know PMS or but it's really important you know so much going on uh, physiologically during the different phases so I would encourage anyone who's not tracking their cycle to start doing that first first of all absolutely and I think especially touching on what you just said you know for yourself for example you're training for the marathon now from someone that exercises just day to day to keep fit and healthy to the demands of what marathon training or any kind of sporting training can have on you is huge because your volume is going to change and no doubt you've got a plan of progression that you need to kind of stick to and follow so yeah tracking your cycle um, is really important I think a lot of different sports watches and you know um, activity trackers can help you with that as well yeah absolutely it's been a game changer for me I feel like I must tell everybody who will listen even the men in my life I'm like track your cycle okay um, and then the last one strength training for both men and women increases testosterone now caveat to this is that testosterone is essential it plays an important role in the body for both men and women it impacts sex drive red blood cell production and it helps our bodies to recover from training as well so i think this is a two-part question number one the first part is going to be yeah is this true strength training increases testosterone and the second part of my question is going to be is this a good thing is strength training what we need if we want to boost our sex lives so who wants to kick it off greg um okay uh where do i go with this one okay so first of all i'd say i'm not a hormone expert okay okay um but if we look at okay do we want to boost testosterone or do we not want to so if we look at what it is involved in if it is going to give us more energy to exercise and train and if it's going to make us stronger i think the way to look at it is if we're going to do something it's going to slightly boost that then absolutely why wouldn't we do that i think where it can be difficult to get it right is how much do we need to do when it comes down to exercise and I think you know whether it's your first time at the gym or you've been training for 20 years you know the person that's been training for 20 years can still get this absolutely wrong and that is because on a daily basis the body is completely changing depending on what we've done that week our stress levels our sleep all these different factors so it's yeah I guess it's just understanding where you are on that day and then if you're not feeling particularly great then you've got to bring that training volume down do a little bit less um and if you're completely new to it it's it's starting super you know super light super slow and making sure that you have an exercise professional by your side that you know knows what they're doing mm. luckily i have both of you but yeah i think this is something that i've seen with friends and family members who you know again i keep going on about the fact that at this time of year things are just being almost rammed down people's throats about you know exercise and movement and nutrition and health and it feels like everybody wants to start you know let's start something new but actually i think strength training if it's something you've never done before for whatever reason you might yeah feel intimidated by it you might feel like you don't know what you're doing but i think when it comes to this you know energy management whether it's testosterone or not whatever it is there's definitely something anyway about strength training i've seen it with so many specifically female friends it's a game changer you know from their energy so they say you know i feel so much more energized they feel physically stronger their posture is better they almost stand taller and prouder and just yeah more energized more powerful so i'm all for that Tara, do you want to add anything? I do. I think, you know, if you look at it as um, a topic on the whole, first off, if you're suffering from really low energy and any other symptoms, like please go see a doctor, get a blood test done, go down that medical route. But also when you look at, you touched on things like sex drive and um, in general, like libido, if you call it, it won't just come down to um, kind of strength training. You're looking at... Um, what you're eating day to day what is your energy intake are you eating enough calories if you're not then your energy is going to be very low what is your diet compromised of are you getting enough good fats in your diet because that's really important for the health of our sex hormones at the same time so it's looking at the kind of wider picture of everything mm. um yeah which kind of will add to 
how you feel day to day. Yeah, again, complex. Not just yeah. like tick that box, get them doing some weights and boost the sex drive. And also I think it's about, you know, this obviously what is normal, but I think ultimately as well, it's about change, isn't it? It's like if you had something before and then it feels different, that's when I think people are like, oh, okay, I maybe want to make a change, but save that for another podcast. Maybe I'll get a, um, uh, a sex expert on, because I definitely feel like there's a lot of people who, I don't know why, but they want to learn more about it from a medical and a health perspective, but they just maybe don't know where to start or maybe feel embarrassed about the topic. So yeah, stay tuned for that. All right. So next up, I'd like to talk about, I guess, the category of functional fitness training and I think functional fitness, as Greg, you'll probably t- explain to us, is not necessarily the same as CrossFit, which is, I suppose, they've made functional fitness into a sport. I think they've done a great job of creating a community and, and getting people active, which, of course, is great. So if people have discovered functional fitness in the in the last few years, if they've yeah started a new routine, if they're part of a community that they love, then that is, of course, fantastic. But I want to know, I suppose, what are your thoughts on functional fitness as a sport you know we've seen the rise of things like high rocks if you're familiar with that the the high rocks events we're seeing a lot of people posting kind of challenges and personal bests and yeah really kind of encouraging people to take fitness and 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 compete with others which kind of seems quite contradictory to most things that are personalized in fitness so greg thoughts on functional fitness as a sport so i think this really comes down to the individual and if you know if you're a crossfitter for example and you absolutely love going to CrossFit, you love the community, you love the people there, you love the exercises, and it feels great, and you feel like your health is being boosted by that, then, you know, absolutely crack on and carry on. I think that's amazing. But, you know, if you kind of join something, it doesn't have to be a CrossFit box, it could be any anything, um, and you're looking, you know, you're competing against other people, and you know, if it's, if you're not doing so well, and it's not, you know, you're not feeling good by doing it, then you know, there are other ways of getting stronger or fitter and that could be the individualized approach so yeah ultimately i I guess it's you know Mm. is it serving you you know um and the other often joke don't they about injuries i always hear people saying i'll go to crossfit you'll go for 10 weeks and you'll get a back injury for free and like people joke (laughs) about it because they're just like you go in you go hard and it's kind of yeah this kind of almost like bro culture as well i think people have i mean to be honest if people are listening who love crossfit then i did an episode at the start of last year with matt fraser do you know matt fraser yes yeah Yeah, Yeah. yeah. so he won the crossfit games five years in a row i mean like literally the goat so and he was amazing as well really humble guy really motivational just a wonderful warm guy and you could kind of think wow of course people want to be in a community of people like that so that was awesome but i just think i've heard yeah a lot of people sadly who say oh i love crossfit but i can't go anymore because i broke my back (laughs) you know it's like there's a lot of injuries coming out so i'm thinking well why okay so i think yeah so now we're looking at a little bit that we touched on at the start we've got exercise and then we've got sports so Mm. two different things so crossfit is going to be classed well it is a sport itself so if we just do crossfit for example it you know there's a high risk of getting injured and you know if we just play football if we just run if we do all this sports stuff the risk of injury gets higher so if we can do our strength training our specific strength training then that's going to make us stronger to be able to tolerate the sport so much more and that's what makes it really enjoyable then so then you can push yourself to you know limits you've never pushed yourself to before because you have the strength to do that so that makes just the whole process more enjoyable Mm -hmm. rather than like you said you know you do something for 10 weeks or whatever it may be and then all of a sudden you've got a back problem a knee problem an ankle problem whatever it may be Mm so yeah. all those things you just listed, well, most of them, ankle, knee, hip, brings me on very nicely, thank you very much, to my question for runners. Because there are a lot of runners who listen to this podcast, and especially now, I think people training for the marathon or for half marathons for spring races. And my, I guess my fear for a lot of people is they've got so much enthusiasm at the start and they train hard out on the road. And then, of course, a few weeks before the big day, they get injured and they end right. up yeah going to see somebody and saying can I still do this race that I've trained so so hard for I've been there myself so I'm speaking from experience so Tara I'm going to come to you with this one it's taken me many 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 years too many years as a runner to 
realize and recognize the importance of strength training and the benefits of it for my road running because I'll be honest there's only so many hours in a day and of course if you're busy and you've got work and you've got kids and you've got a certain amount of hours in a week that you can train my initial thinking used to just be well that time needs to be spent running needs to be spent on the road it needs to be spent putting in the miles even the low impact stuff like go on the rower or go on the you know bike I used to think well if I've got an hour I want to spend it running so why do runners need to listen and learn and take heed and actually carve out space and time for strength training in their plan? It's so important because, you know, we've worked with um, clients that have done marathons and often they come to us because of a um, injury or pain they need to resolve to help get them through training and get them to finish line. And really, it would be great if they could start their strength training journey a lot sooner so they could prevent that from from happening um, and be able to cope with the demands of all their marathon training. Now, having said that, it really comes down to the strength training that you're doing has to be very specific to your body as well. So in our instance, when we've got clients come in, um, Greg does the assessment. So he'll test your joints for weaknesses and strengths so we can see what do we need to strengthen specifically to help get you to where you need to be. And that's going to change person to person but it's also going to change session to session depending on what training you've done that week how long your runs have been what else you've done what other activity you've done um but having that knowledge will hopefully help you be stronger in your runs feel stronger in your runs and go faster in your runs as well Mm. and that's the that's the aim to get you to the finish line without pain and feeling as good as possible yeah or even to get you to the start line get you to the start uh, line yeah yeah, or even to get you to the start line, because for, for a lot of people, they might train for the marathon for three or four months and they just increase the volume over time. And as I said, speaking from experience, because I did that, the, the second marathon I was training for was exactly classic textbook overtraining, just too much running on my feet on the road and I ended up injured. And I think, yeah, that is my, my message to anyone listening who is running and who is training. I want you to get to that start line feeling good, feeling strong and feeling pain free. So definitely dive into a lot of the work that and a lot of the knowledge that Tara and Greg both share online. And I'll be sharing a lot of it actually throughout my training as well. Uh, so just to touch on that as well, I just want to kind of you know ask the question how many runners out there that are training for something when they're following a program whether it be you know 12 weeks or six months whatever it may be along that journey at what point because you're following your program everything's great you're getting your runs in so from a mental standpoint everything's feeling great but then at some point when you're running and you're on that run oh what is that in my knee ah there's a little just something you know i'll probably i'll just keep on running you know i'll just run it off it'll be fine or what's that in my my back or my hip or whatever it may be and you know then it might go away okay so essentially we've been giving like this little warning this little signal from our body saying hey i'm not comfortable right now i'm not completely stable you need to kind of just slow down and give me a chance to recover here but we're following a plan Right. So we can't do that. We've got to, you know, if we're going to get to that start line, we've got to follow that plan. So I think it's being really sensitive for every single runner that is training for something, being really sensitive to your body when you're on those runs, on the training runs. If th- if something doesn't feel good, stop. <laughs> but <laughs> how do you stop. find that balance between feel doesn't feel good and stop? Because I'll be honest with you, if I stopped every time it didn't feel good, I would never finish my run. Because let's be <laughs> honest, if I'm doing like a, you know, 16 miles for example it's cold and I probably feel good for the first nine and then it might be okay for me hip flexors oh they're starting to feel tight legs are starting to feel heavy lower back I sometimes start to feel like a tension and it's kind of like if I stopped then I would never train up to the right distance so how do you figure out like discomfort versus pain versus injury this is a tough one so this is a great question as well so now we're looking at your individual tolerance what can your body tolerate what can every muscle in your body that is making you run to produce movement what can each of those muscles tolerate so say you're getting to eight miles and all of a sudden your hip flexors start kicking off and you know they start feeling tight and not very nice they've reached their limit Mm. now the body is incredibly good at compensating so it can move in all these different ways it has multiple muscles that move the joint in a specific way so when we're running the body's always got all these options but you think by mile six, mile seven, mile eight, what's happening with the body starting to run out of options to move. So if specific muscles aren't strong enough 
and we've gone through all these muscles and all these muscle fibers and they kind of they've run out of strength it's going to start sending pain signals back to the brain so at that point i would personally recommend try to stop try to slow down or walk and then go okay what's my recovery like because and you can note that down right mile eight hip flexors felt tight mm. and then you've got that in your notes so you know next time you go for a run what happens at mile eight you know does and the should, same thing happen mm, does it, should this in, yeah so should this increase over this is fascinating and people are gonna love this should this yeah then increase over time so then it's mile nine before it starts on mile 10 or if it's every single time you just hit maybe some people it's 60 minutes some people it's 90 minutes and that's when things start to yeah kick off flare up and you just kind of for a lot of people they're like that's when i have to just grip my teeth and turn my music up and i right. know that's not what you want to hear no no so i you know it's kind of going right what is the goal the goal is you want to complete the race that you're training for so it's always keeping that there so if you push too hard in your training too soon then you might not be able to even compete in the event or do the race so and the other thing that we talked about around strength training is that yes our muscles will get a little bit stronger by running very specifically but if we want to get there more effectively and certainly more efficiently then the work that we can do in the gym with strength training can get our muscles so much stronger for running than just running so i'm not saying do one or the other i'm saying you know both are going to benefit you mm. uh when it comes down to yeah when it comes down to doing that race so yeah just to reiterate that when you feel those little niggles those tightness things note that down where where do you feel that you know yeah. in, on the run and uh yeah like you were saying before do you feel that on mile if if it was mile eight and then you feel it on mile six ne next time you go for the run you're like okay things are going in the wrong direction okay. okay so i need to yeah i need to recover more okay yeah. so i need to give more rest or i need to get some muscles stronger mm. in the gym yes warning signs and also i think adding next to those notes is sleep because as we all know we talk about it i talk about it so much on this podcast about sleep and actually if you track how many or not you don't have to track with you know a watch or a thing but if you literally you know when you've had a lot of sleep or a little bit of sleep if you note down the weeks when you've not had a lot of sleep i guarantee those you're going to feel those pains a lot sooner and you're going to take a lot longer to recover whereas the nights or the weeks when i've been you know boring tucked up in bed by half past nine getting all you've honestly the weekend long runs you just feel like amazing like you've, you're invincible you're like oh this is great I'm not, you know i'm not breaking a sweat and it's literally because your body is so rested so sleep to win runners and work on the strength yeah we're team 9 p.m bedtime as well so well you have yeah. to be we haven't even got into we could do a whole separate ep episode on the kind of the business side i think from both of you you know building a business within the fitness industry obviously i know you have very early clients so we're going to talk about the power hour in a minute but i think just the work ethic and i always say it to you both i'm just forever impressed and in awe of the incredible you know starting a business is one thing but the amount of hard work what it really really takes we could do a whole another episode probably just on the business side and yes of course gym owners you are early risers <laughs> so very early to bed so let's talk about it so let's talk about it let's talk about the power hour so before we dive into your power hour both of you i would again on the theme of strength i'd love to know for people who want to strength train increase their strength training is it good to do strength training first thing in the morning and if so one of the biggest questions that comes up again and again and again is should i have breakfast first is fasted training okay so specifically with strength training should we be eating first is it good to strength train in the morning tara okay so my god you're gonna hate me because again it's not black and white but it will come down to your own individual preference and your energy in the morning and also when you feel hungry you know there are some people that don't really want to eat too much before they're trained because it affects their digestion they're not that hungry they just don't fancy it equally then you've got people that wake up and they really need to eat greg's one of them so again that's more looking at it from a hunger perspective then you have to look at the demands of the exercise that you're doing. If you're one of those people that wake up in the morning and um, don't feel hungry, but you've got a pretty, you know, um, intense workout coming up, potentially you might need to have something. So that way you can have a look at something that's quick digesting. Um, you can look at something like 
some toast with some jam on or you get those little serene bars which are malt loaf which are going to give you some quick energy low in fiber so it's not going to upset your stomach too much and then have your first meal later down the line um even though you're saying it's not black and white i think it is actually good hearing that because i've definitely heard this binary either you have to you can never train without you know fuel in your belly which i always think is quite funny because if you've had dinner the night before you're probably not really fasted but there's also the other camp of people that say fasted training is everything and you get all these additional benefits of all these things so i think it's actually quite refreshing to hear someone say actually it's not you have to or you don't have to yeah precisely it will literally come down to your um, workout intensity your own personal goals as well like you know for someone that's looking to build a bit of muscle your calorie demands might be greater and if you skip a meal in the morning does that mean that your energy intake will be kind of compromised later in the day then it might be important for you to get a meal in first um, to those that you know aren't that hungry in the morning and can do their workout we say fasted but like we all know you've eaten the night before as well so mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you can figure out what you like and what works for you. And you've always encouraged me, Taria, when we've talked about this, to just be considered that life happens as well. Because I'm sure for many of your clients, you know, they're not necessarily coming in with this perfect, optimized sleep and nutrition and thing because they've got life. They've got kids. They've got a job. They might like to have a few beers. And so you might come in and go, actually, I'm a bit knackered and a bit hungover. And I think that's also important to not, you know, me, I advocate for self-discipline and motivation and that doesn't mean that we have to negate the fact that life happens yeah absolutely i think yeah just uh yeah touch on that um when our clients come in to the gym and like you were saying it's it's so different kind of session by session week on week of how our clients feel so you know if we're following you know if we've designed a program and then we've got them on that program and they're coming in we've got to you know evaluate not even session by session, minute by minute, how they're feeling, how are they training, you know, are they strong today, are they not feeling so strong today, and then we need to be able to adapt, you know, right there and then to make sure that we're kind of, you know, stimulating them not too much, just about enough that's going to leave them feeling energised at the end of the session, rather than, you know, kind of feeling, you know, a little bit beaten up or, you know, oh, I didn't feel as strong today, and then the impact that that has on your mental health for the rest of the day you know especially if you're training in the morning so or if you're someone like me who needs that god star right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah no i think it's, it's it's good to consider even if you're not training with someone like yourself if you're training yourself by yourself you know i think what you just said is really important because sometimes it can almost put you off if you if you're always training hard if you're always feeling you know exhausted and battered by the end then yeah if you have had a poor night's sleep or you've you know been out with friends and had too much wine then you're probably going to be put off as opposed to saying well actually i'm just going to do a different session today i'm still going to move i'm still going to do it but just modify it a little bit give myself some grace and life happens instead of thinking oh my gosh there's no way i can do my session and end up being sick in the gym right yeah, exactly <laughs> that Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right. Okay. And so I would love to hear about your power hour, because as I said, you are both early risers and you probably have been for such a long time. So typically, what does your first hour of your day include and what time does your day start? To be honest, our mornings run pretty much like clockwork. I'd love to say that I get up and journal and meditate and all these things, but I really don't. Our alarm goes off. Greg is first out of bed. He's making breakfast because he needs it. Following on from what we just talked about, I don't get hungry till later, so I take my time getting ready. 
and then we both head into work. What time? What time does the alarm go we're, off? So, uh, 5.15 it goes off. But we're actually opposites. So I, I, I'm more of a, a morning person and Tara is definitely more of an evening person. So Tara's brain kind of switches on about 9pm, <laughs> you know, and I'm fully alert by like 6am. <laughs> so there is one ritual that we do every morning and that's our morning coffee as soon as we get into work. Yeah. We've got a great coffee machine that our clients kindly gifted us. So we sit, have a coffee talk about the day ahead and then see our morning clients which start about uh, the gym's open from 6 30 but from about 7 a.m and that's monday through friday yes yeah so yeah. weekends now because obviously you i know that you get up yeah 5 15 every day and it's so different because i feel like for me to get up at that time it's voluntary because you know i can get up and do my thing but i know that for both of you it's not because as you said you've got to get to the gym you've got morning clients so you have got to be consistent and you've got to show up at that time for those people and I think it's quite similar to uh, radio presenters that I've had on the show who do early breakfast and they say well yeah I've got to be in the studio at 5am or whatever it is so there's no negotiating with it so does that impact your your evening your night does that impact the night before are you both you're both quite strict about going to bed right super strict and I think you know we always want to be on our, our best game when it comes down to you know training our clients in the gym Something that we do at Strength House is we, we're solving problems. Someone might come in with a, you know, an issue, an ache, a pain, or whatever it is. So, you know, we kind of need that brain power to really figure this stuff out, so we can actually, you know, give the the service that we want to. Yeah, like I said, you're a fitness scientist. I love it. So, what happens at the weekend? I spoke to a sleep scientist on this podcast way back years ago, and she talked about people who get up early in the week and who sleep in at the weekend to try and recoup sleep and the pros and cons of doing that. So I'd love to know, do you still rise early at the weekends or do you stay in bed? I think we try to, well, you can't catch up on sleep, but we definitely try to make the most of it at the weekend. So no, we're not getting up at 5.15 at the weekend, definitely not. Um, I think from setting up our business we were working a lot of the weekends as well and as anyone that runs their own businesses or is a freelance knows that um sometimes it's hard to switch off from work so i think now especially now we're trying to prioritize recovery and rest as much as possible mm. at the weekends and also can i say we're in a position where we don't have children yet i know it's very hard for people that do have children because their mornings start a lot earlier so do you remember when this was this was I don't know what, five or six years ago when I'd read a certain sleep book you know and I, I'm very much like I read something I want to try to put it into practice. Was it Matthew Walker? Why we sleep? Um, no, no, it wasn't, no, no, it wasn't. No. Do you remember was, the title of the book? Uh, I think it, it was just called Sleep. Oh. You know, I absolutely loved the book and what it was talking about was you know sleep cycles and that we want to get into this rhythm. And so if you set a time that you get up every morning, so in our case, 5.15, you should try to do that seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year. <laughs> so uh, wow. I was like, oh, okay, really inspiring. Like, brilliant. I've got something new to try. This is going to change my life. <laughs> so I did it, did I, Tara? Mm -hmm. and how many days? For, how many? How long? I think, I think I tried it for about three weeks. And at the end of the third week, I was so run down, I got sick. So it was just really interesting how sometimes we can kind of read something, get inspired and go, well, yeah, I'm going to do that. This is going to have a really positive impact. And actually, no, it has the total opposite mm. effect. And what I really needed to do because I worked so hard in the week and got up every morning, um, when it got to the weekend, I needed to not set my alarm and just let my body rest and recuperate. Yeah. So Not having these strict rules. Exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, the body cannot yeah if it needs to rest it really needs to rest so it's just uh checking in with yourself and going okay do i need to rest or do i really need to get up yeah, yeah. i think routines are good and there's a lot of benefit to routines obviously especially in building habits but also just listen to your body mm. and see how your week's been at the same time yeah i think one last question that i have for you both whilst you're here i'm putting you on the spot now i think just maybe a bit more of a personal one as you mentioned then you know having running your own business you know it can be all consuming for a lot of people they whether it's a side hustle whether it's whether they're entrepreneurs whether they are just working really super hard at their current job role and the fact that you're husband and wife so you are essentially together you're in it together the business together life together everything together which i'm sure has its challenges and also its joyfulness but how do you try to approach and manage 
any kind of work-life balance, work-life blend, whatever you want to call it, so that you're not working all hours every day seven days because i'm sure you probably could right? i'm sure you could spend all weekend working on things for the business talking about the business thinking about the business and probably sometimes you do but do you have any uh, i suppose rules things that you do to try and approach this how do you yeah i suppose carve out space for your life and for your relationship that's nothing to do with the strength house so yeah yeah i mean i i guess one thing that we did when we opened strength house was to go right weekends we're not going to be open and that may change in the future but that's something that we wanted to start with um not just for ourselves but also for our trainers as well to make sure that they get enough rest so you know we're, we're a big advocate of do what you love doing you know try to find something you know when it comes down to work that you love you know so we want every one of our trainers to absolutely love what they do so yeah if you know and same with us as well if we're working seven days a week we're not gonna you know well it's gonna be hard to love every single day so taking that couple of days at the weekend is something that we um that we try to carve out time for um and you know of course running our own business there are times where we have to do the admin side of things on the weekends and we've got no choice and that's absolutely fine um but yeah we do try to to make the time on weekends don't we to do our own thing and uh, separate that work life yeah i think it's important like you know when to anyone running their own business the lines can be blurred um and it is hard to achieve that work-life balance and i wouldn't say we're 100 percent there but we're definitely making the efforts to do it and there's some non-negotiables like not opening at the weekends at the moment like where we've like you know personal trainers um in general will know that sometimes you see clients on saturdays but that affects your week because you can't account for family time, friends, time with friends, social lives. And it's really important to have that balance in there so you don't get run down and burnt out. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Cause I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who, as I say, especially if they're thinking, wow, they're husband and wife. So they work together and they live together and all the things together. And it can be a real challenge, I think, for people who they think, well, this is great. Ultimately, I get to work with my my life partner and I get to build this amazing thing with them but I think yeah that fear is that creep that it actually just takes over everything and you become business partners more than than life partners and yeah I think for anyone kids no kids it's just a a constant challenge isn't it to kind of if you love what you do and you're passionate about it and ultimately let's be honest as well business has ups and downs and ebbs and flows and sometimes it is depending on the stage of the business it might be that it's all hands on deck for a while but knowing that actually later on maybe you have a different a different approach is is important yeah one 100 percent. yeah couldn't have said it better myself it's exactly that it's uh yeah ebbs and flows and mm. um you know you've got to knuckle down when you know when the work's there and then you know at some point you're going to have some respite at some point as well so you enjoy that as well but to be honest on the, you know uh because we love what we do you know on weekends we might end up going to you know different gyms and just like looking at different pieces of equipment and because we just love doing that yeah you know so um yeah it's uh yeah just addicted to training really no. Oh, yeah. no i know like i said the the knowledge is it's your passion for it comes across and you've even made me like enjoy learning more about strength so i'm really grateful for that so before we finish up because i know i could talk to you for a lot longer can you tell us i'm sure people are going to want to find out firstly where could they come and train with you just like i do and then where can they access more of the knowledge and the content that you share online so our gym is in St Paul's, it's about two minutes walk, it's uh, by Mansion House and on Cannon Street and you can find us um, on our website www.strengthhouse.co.uk and yeah we've got a form there for any questions that you might have and our Instagram is at strengthhouselondon. And also one more thing, a very exciting new project, can you tell us about the app? Yes we have an app coming soon, it's a recipe and meal planning app. Um, We really wanted to be able to help more people um, during and past lockdown as well. Um, But because our work is so nuanced, we couldn't scale it the way we wanted to online digitally um, because it's so personalised. However, we thought that maybe um, touching on food, because as we know, food has a huge impact on the way we think, the way we feel, the way we perform in our day-to-day work, family life, everything. Um, So if we could help people build healthier behaviors um 
through food, then that'd be a positive change mm. that we could help with. So yeah, that's coming soon, hopefully at the end of this year. Well, it's very exciting and I cannot wait because I see all of your recipe creation. I've known, obviously I said, I've known you for a long time and your recipes and your cooking and all the things that you, all the photos, it's always delicious. It's always great. So I will be using it myself as well. Thank you so much for joining both of you and thank you everyone for listening. As always, if you have enjoyed this episode, if you have learned something new, if you're feeling inspired, feeling motivated, don't waste it. Please share it, let us know, share it with others, anyone who you think might get value from listening to this episode. I really appreciate it as it helps to grow the Power Hour community and to get more incredible guests like Tara and Greg. So have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much, Tara and Greg, and I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.